Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to the Fire in the Valley show. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and today we have Sammy Warriot. How do you pronounce that properly, Sammy? That's pretty good. It's Warriot. Oh, there you go. There you go. So that's awesome. So welcome to the show, Sammy. First of all, it's great to see you. Great to, great to chat with you here today. So tell us, Sammy. Appreciate the invite. Who are you? What do you do and where are you from? Sure. So currently I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, ethnically, I guess I'm Middle Eastern and Palestinian. And, and, you know, right now I left corporate recently to kind of chase that passion, chase that fire in the belly that I had and, or that I continue to have. And so now I do, I have my own podcast as well. And I help people, uh, young, young American professionals specifically, because I can relate more to the Western culture being born and raised in America who are kind of struggling with discipline needed. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of skills in the world, but discipline is the most important characteristic or trait that's needed for overall success. And it's defined by, you know, many different people in many different ways, but whatever, uh, the, co- the common overarching theme is the fact that some people need to put in the work and you need to continuously have that, that continuous effort. And that's what discipline is. Discipline more than skill. Yeah. Because if you have the discipline to continue to work at stuff, you'll learn that skill. Okay. Right? Not everybody's gifted with athleticism or gifted with whatever skill that, that is inherent to some people or comes naturally. But if you work at it long enough, you can make extreme improvements. Not going to say you're going to be like, you know, the LeBron, the Michael Jordan, the, the super athlete, but you will mm-hmm. be better than 98% of the world. Right. Yeah. It's, well, that's exactly it, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, even people who are persistent and consistent and successful in their game, sort of saying it's about just keep showing up. They mightn't be the most talented on the field, but mm-hmm. they, they are the ones that set the agenda in terms of training or whatever, right? Correct. Yeah. That's cool. So tell us, what does fire in the belly mean to Sammy? So I think it just means that your, your passion is pushing you and, and really motivating you to be able to do things that you didn't think was possible. And so the way to find that passion is very different. We can obviously get into that, um, as I'm sure, but it's that feeling when time slows down, you can do something forever and you know, you don't get tired of it. You don't get bored of it. And uh, the ideal situation is to find work and make money off of that passion. So that's not just a hobby that you can do on weekends or after work. You're doing that every day will lead you to not only want to work harder and not only put in more effort, but also enjoy it to the extent where it doesn't feel like work and you're living your life through that. So that's kind of, that's kind of what it means to me and what I've been trying multiple different things in my life, which is, you know, whether it be consulting or coaching, whether it be corporate, whether it be, you know, selling on Amazon and try to get something to help people was the overall goal. I think that's what a lot of people have, but to find out exactly what it is and, and kind of pinpoint that down, but also have the skill set to be able to, like I said, make money off of it so that you can, you can actually do it long-term. Everybody has bills to pay and everybody has monetary obligations, if you will. So tying that, that skill to that passion allows you to live your life with that fire in the belly forever. Mm. And I mean, that it's interesting. I mean, that entrepreneurial, is it entrepreneurial spirit? It certainly sounds like that, that sort of trying different sources, trying different ways, just keeping going, keeping going. Right. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Cause I never really thought myself to be an entrepreneur. Like when I was younger, my dad, was an immigrant and, you know, it was, it was important thing was getting everybody through college. Cause that was like a status symbol. I know you had a, uh, a recent guest that was also on that kind of wavelength, but that was the status symbol of people who come to America and, you know, you get a good high paying job and get kind of pigeonholed by those golden handcuffs as they call it. So, um, I went through college and I was like, okay, I could do this, you know, live, work for other people and kind of, you know, make, make my money and live my life outside of work. But then you realize 
um, like there's only four or five hours after work every day that you're actually awake. And the one day a weekend is gone with errands. So you're left to like barely anything of living life. And that's without the responsibilities of kids and, and a marriage and stuff like that, that I, I still don't have, but at the same time, like you can, you can kind of see where that's going and life wasn't meant to be like that for me. And so I started trying to figure out, okay, how can I get out of that? Right. How can I make a plan to exit corporate by, by 30? And that was the, just a number I had in my mind that was, uh, okay, 10 years in, I'm going to leave and, and step out and do my own thing. And at least, you know, have that hard work in the beginning, but then figure out what I want to do. And through trying a bunch of different things, you, you figure out something that you really like and you're like, okay, can I try this more and more and more? And then that's kind of where the podcast came in. And I really enjoyed it. We were talking a little bit before that, you know, I, I was, it's a big part of my personal development. And so I was like, okay, something that I can do to help people as well in the same vein of something that I'm already interested in, in podcasts is a perfect platform. So I really dove into that earlier this year after building some, some courage and then, I guess now it's, you look back and like, okay, yeah, I guess I am an entrepreneur. You know, I left corporate and I'm doing my own thing and trying to help people. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't a direct, like, I wasn't like those people who, uh, oh, I was, did a lemonade stand when I was five, or I was selling gum at school and pencils. Like I have cousins who did that and they all have that spirit. I guess I never really had it, but you find it through a necessity if you need it. Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of, if, if you don't need to, then maybe you don't, maybe you do. Some people may find it regardless of their, their conditions, or some people may, as you say, through necessity, mm -hmm. through condition, through the environment that says we need it, you know, but no, I mean, uh, so when for you, I mean, is there a before and after in terms of when you had this passion, this, this entrepreneurial spirit, this far in the belly, you know, was there a time before and, and where you are now? Yeah, for sure. So I, I really clicked with me. Like I had mentioned that like 30 was that number. And then I was working in a job, um, where I had a, you know, senior executive kind of not really kind of shoot down some of the things that I was working on in like outside of life. Like I was trying to go to seminars, I was reading books and I took a couple of days off to do that. And they kind of shot that down in, in a way that was like, why would you do that? That's kind of stupid. And it was the words that they used. And that really affected me. It was like, huh, this doesn't make any sense. Why would, why would you as a VP tell me that? And, um, it really kind of messed with my head and it messed with, you know, your other categories, as I described, like my health, I wasn't, I became demotivated a little bit at the gym. I became less uh, excited to read and, and listen to podcasts. Cause I was like, why am I even doing this? And then it hit me that I was like, Oh, I just need to get back to doing something that I like and, and get out of that type of situation. So I ended up leaving that, that role shortly after. Cause I was like, I, I got to leave. If my, my VP doesn't see this is important, then there's no room for growth here at all. So I ended up leaving, but then it was always like, it was never really the same in corporate after that. I was just like, well, I'm tying my, my growth to somebody who may or may not see the importance of something that I'm doing. And that's when it really hit in that I need to do it on my own. And then I started found, okay, I really need to find something that I like. And that's when I found, uh, you know, the, the consulting and, and the teaching discipline, like I said, was to me, it's the most important thing. And, um, that allowed me to start waking up early. Like something I've never been able to do. Like I'm telling you, I, I snooze the, the alarm clock, like maybe an hour and a half, two hours every morning. Um, I just, I don't know why. Like I, I set it for six o'clock. I'll sleep at 11 and then like six o'clock comes around snooze, snooze, snooze. And then it's eight o'clock just in time for my meeting. And, um, then when I started finding that passion, it's, it's, it went down to like five thirty six, And now sometimes it ebbs between six 30, I'll wake up, but no more than like 15, 20 minutes of snoozing, which to me is a, it's a huge win. So like that after situation of something that you just get out of bed and like, I have energy. And that's something that you don't really, you don't really notice when, when you don't have it, it's just like, Oh, I have to get my coffee. I have to get that, I have to get in the zone. You regret Mondays. Now it's like every day is the same except for when, you know, the market opens on a Monday. That's, that's pretty much the only difference. And how that transition out of a sort of a corporate, you know, sort of pay packet through to entrepreneurial. It's like, if you, if you, 
you know, if you want to eat, you gotta, you gotta earn, you gotta get off and you, you know, there's, there's no coasting, right? So you just got to do your own thing. I mean, how was that transition for you? Oh, it's, it's tough. Like a lot of people want the freedom the entrepreneur entrepreneurs get right. To be able to be your own boss that theoretically you could take off whenever you don't have to ask anybody. Uh, if you want to see something is fit, you can do it. And that's true. That's the positives. But like you said, if you're not selling something or you're not, you're not providing a value, then you don't eat. And then you start to sell out in my mind where you start to like chase anything just to get a sale, become that used car salesman. And you get desperate. You get too much. That's uh, it puts people off rightfully because nobody wants to be kind of begged at and, and, and kind of chopped away at to get a sale. So you have to have that utmost confidence, but also have that security and stability net that, you know, you're, you're doing the right thing and you can make money off doing it. And you need those wins to prove that quickly because nobody's gonna like in corporate world, if you miss a deadline, the world's not going to end, right? You're not going to lose your job. You're not going to get fired until like years of, of consistent missing deadlines. Then you, you know, you get put on a pip, which gives you three months to, you know, recover. So like it's the, the timeline to get, um, fired and in corporate is very, very tough in my opinion, at least here in America. Um, but in entrepreneurs, you know, you don't deliver, they, they'll cancel, especially if you're like a, early entrepreneur, your reviews mean a lot to you. You know, you're not like a big corporation that has the outstanding brand. You're trying to build that. So everything is high intensity, high pressure. You got to over deliver on your, on your deadlines and you got to make sure that you're delivering quality or else, you know, you won't get that next customer or, or that next client. And it's definitely a lot more stressful than a lot of people maybe make it seem especially on social media and stuff. Like even the podcast is a business and you're aware, well aware of this as well. Like it's not as simple as, okay, let's have a two hour conversation. That's the easiest part. The hardest part is the editing, the promotion, the trying to get the sponsors, the, all the work that goes after and before the episode that you don't really see when, when you see, when the person listens to the episode and gets the final product. And that's an amazing thing, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's a lot, as you say, there's a lot of background work goes in. So people think, oh yeah, you're doing, that's nice. You're doing a wee, uh, doing a wee mm -hmm. podcast there, you know? And you're like, yeah, it takes that persistency, consistency. And quite often you may sort of think, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but that's also the mm -hmm. telltale I find of a passion project, you know, something that actually keep going regardless of not necessarily knowing its fate, not necessarily knowing the actual the end result, you just have this sense, right? You've got a sense that it's mm -hmm. there's something here and I got to keep, keep at it. Is it do, do you go by your senses? Do you go by sort of intuition, gut feelings? I've learned to trust it more. Uh, I think everybody has to go through that where you're always told to trust your gut and then nobody ever does. And then you finally look back years later and you're like, oh, okay, if I had trusted my gut here, that would have been right. You know, if I trusted my gut here, that would have been right. And over time, then you start to build that trust more. And now I think I'm not, I'm still more, uh, numbers focused objective in my mind, I think, cause I used to be in analytics. Maybe that's why. And that makes sense to me, but, but I'm learning to trust my gut a lot more. And like you said, like, even if it's a slower role, like even if I don't want to do something in the business because I don't like that, I like, you know, the interviews, for example, but I don't like everything else that goes with it. I know that it needs to be done so that I can continue to do the things I love doing, which is the interview. Right. So I just keep thinking of that and I'm like, okay, this makes sense. And and you just keep going with it. And that, that gives you that continuous improvement cycle. So, I mean, your podcast successful millennials. So talk to us. I mean, you're saying, you know, when did you start and why did you start? Mm -hmm. So I started six months ago and I, started because like after listening to podcasts for over four years, I thought this was something that really helped me. And I started listening to podcasts on the drive to work and, you know, on the drives to gym errands, everything. And, you know, like, like we were talking about before recording that dead time, like do something productive with that time, if you will. And I always listen to self-development or personal development uh, podcasts as well as books. Like I'm not going to listen to true crime stuff because that's just not me. It's not my interest anyway. So that's how I got introduced into podcasts. And then I started thinking of some of the things that I've come across both in my learnings of the podcast and uh, my 
hundreds of books at this point that I've read and continue to read. And I was like, okay, how can I help people in my generation? Because I feel like we're lost right in, in the mid nineties. Uh, so where I was born and, and that mid twenties right now is how they are mid twenties, early thirties, maybe that age range was in high school or college when social media and all this information started coming out. So it wasn't like the generations after us where they're born into it. Like I still remember when I was young rollerblading and playing roller hockey and my, in my neighborhood and everybody, all the neighbors knew each other. You talk now, like kids don't know their neighbors. Right. I still remember playing outside all day, but I also remember, you know, the rise of the dating apps and the eye touch and all this stuff like coming through, but I was a little bit older, but it still affected you because you're a teenager rather than somebody who was in their mid thirties when it came or mid twenties, when it came out now in their thirties that, you know, they were already past that wave, you know, they were already a full adult working and they didn't see as much of the mental impact it was. So I think that my podcast that focuses on those age ranges that are, you know, the 24 to 30, 32, something like that age is, is really where the rise of technology could have impacted a lot. And not everybody talks about that. They blanket millennials as 20 to like 40. And that's there's 40 year olds weren't raised the same way I was. Right. And so it's, it feels like it's just a way to, to, brand everybody as one group. And so if we can narrow that down and try to help people in discipline in the five major categories, to me, their money, it's, we talked physical and mental health. I think that's extremely important. It's working in your passion, that career or purpose, that fire in the belly is, is definitely an important thing that I think our generation is really, uh, it's really keen on. And then relationships, your social circle, your, your significant other, et cetera. And then overall happiness, those five categories kind of span the, the tenants or the pillars of success. That's super interesting. You know, that, as you say, to distinguish millennials, I suppose the different social media, you know, the, the social media generations, I'm the same. I remember mobile phones coming in. I remember me getting mm -hmm. my first mobile phones. Facebook was not there. There was Bebo, there was friends reunited. There was, um, really starting to show my age here, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was right. You know, I mean, even having an email address, that was a big thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, whereas now, I mean, just the, the millennials, I suppose would millennials would all be pretty much tech savvy, right? That they're, they're sort of, they're up to speed with social media. You find. Yeah. I mean, up to speed with sounds like for me, TikTok is new, right? Like I'm getting there, I think, but like, that's maybe a generation before our generation was like vine or even before that. Right. And I think we're all computer savvy in the way that we know how to type fast. Like I, I see the older generations do the whole, you know, one of these with the, with the each finger looking at it, but you know, learning the QWERTY keyboard and, and stuff like that. I think all millennials know how to use a computer and a phone maybe not all the different things in social media, but they definitely are more tech savvy than the previous generations. Yeah. makes sense. I mean, as, as a young fellow, then what, what did you want to do when you grew up? What was your original plan way back? That's the thing. Like I, I actually had a conversation with my brother about this last week and we just don't really know. Like we didn't think of that growing up. It was all, you know, like maybe it was the pressure of, you know, you have to be financially responsible for whenever you get married, whenever you have kids. Cause you see that with your, with my parents and, you know, that's just, that was the only focus. Okay. What can I do that gets a high paying job or uh, a good job, the stable job. So that's why I did like computer science when I went into college. Cause I didn't know at well, when did I go to class 16, 17, like I, I just, I didn't know what I wanted. So I did computer science cause it can be anything. It can be in any industry and in any job. And I never really thought about it, what I wanted to do when I grew up type thing until, um, like in, in my mid twenties when I was like, okay, I need to find something cause corporate isn't the answer, but it, it definitely wasn't something that I can point back to when I was seven running around saying, oh, this is what I want to be. <laughs> so taking the leap actually into launching a podcast, it's always interesting, right? You were saying, obviously you, you were you know, you're a very happy consumer of podcasts, listening to the episodes, getting a lot of education. And then to go a step further, I mean, that, that is entrepreneurial, right? Because you could just be a consumer the rest of your life and said you've chose to be, become a content creator. Talk to us about that, that sort of evolution, that journey. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I think, um, it's, it's definitely a challenge to think why, if I'm, if I'm consuming all this content, am I, you know, worthy of being a producer, you know, like being the imposter syndrome, but then you think about it and you look and you're like, okay, uh, not everybody listens to podcast one. So you've kind of garnered a lot of information from that. Not everybody has like one person or the average American reads one book a year. And I was, I've been reading like 30, 35, cause almost three books a month. So that's like, okay. And I've done that for multiple years. So you've read some more than the average person. So maybe you're not quote unquote average. Maybe you can have something to provide. And then it's like, okay, what can I provide? I, the ideal, I think everybody who, who consumes a podcast or wants to start one, wants to be like Joe Rogan, right. Who's who can talk about anything with anybody and hold his own, but you know, I, I'm not there. I don't have conversations about things that I don't know about. Cause if I, if I'm totally blank on, I can't ask a good question to my guests. So what can I do that? What can I narrow down specifically that I feel like I can provide value on consistently? And so that's where I, you know, mirrored it closer to my age. So I can draw on some of the experiences that I've had and that I know that other people my age would have. And then what is my mage skill set is execution and discipline. So let's focus on doing that. And that helps you produce, become more of a producer. And then that fire really is what pushes you over the edge. That fire in the belly is what keeps you saying that gives you the confidence to be like, okay, I want to do this. And if one person listens, if you know, one person gets changed because of what I've done, that's all that matters. And then that one becomes two becomes three, right? But you always have that focus on if just one thing can be fixed. But yeah, I think if uh, imposter syndrome goes away, when, when you start to learn that, you know, that fire is, is all that matters and you want to help one person. And when you're helping somebody else, Jordan Peterson mentions this in his book, Total Rules of Life. And it's like, you don't necessarily wear a seatbelt in the car, let's say when you're driving alone, but as soon as you have somebody else with you, you all of a sudden drive a lot faster. I mean, a lot better, sorry. Or you don't text when somebody's driving, when you're driving with somebody or even to pets. Like if you get sick, uh, you will just stick it through and you won't go to the hospital. But if your pet or your kid gets sick, all of a sudden immediate hospital, let's take care of them. People kind of eschew what they need to help others more so. So I think that's kind of the same way in the podcast, right? Where like my fear is one thing, but my desire to help somebody get better in any of these five categories supersedes that. And that's really what just pushes you to, to be a, to be a producer or content creator as, as they say now. It is powerful, isn't it? That you, you will, you'll sort of get over yourself. You know, you don't mind sort of making a silly statement or asking a silly question because it's not about that. It's about going, I can learn something here. And if I look silly for a minute, so be it. Right. You know, but you're passionate enough to keep going. It's totally right. agree. Totally agree that that passion pushes you. Go ahead. No, just thinking there, I mean, in terms then of, of you know, the millennials and, and getting people on, I mean, what, what's your, what's your ethos with the show? What are you really trying to get out? And, and you know, what's, what's a perfect guest look like for you as such? It's a great question. Um, perfect guest would definitely be somebody who's in that same age range, which is as well to help the guests. Uh, from their perspective in, and is an emerging export or expert or is an expert in one of the five categories. So whether that be somebody who's financially independent, for example, that's to me, the metric of success of money, whether somebody who is uh, in tune with mindfulness and knows how to teach others about mental health, not only awareness, but how, how to be a reflecting uh, personality, for example, and how, how to be able to overcome any type of hurdles that come in from the mental health game that, that uh, it's talked about more now, but still not done enough in my opinion. Um, same goes for physical health, somebody who's a leader in that space and a relationship expert. Like for example, I had somebody who, who specializes in creating games for significant others to play and learn more about each other. That's not trivia based. That's more deeper. And, uh, that's something that, you know, everybody can learn from who's in a significant relation, uh, who has a significant other and is in that long-term committed relationship. So it can be somebody in any expertise of the categories that, that can provide, um, value that that's also in, in the same age range is, is preferred. And 
for for millennials, do you think? I mean, specifically, just because it's really in the name of the, the title of the show, do you think they have a different definition or expectation of success now? I mean, has that changed through the years? You know, on what is it? What is success defined as, as far as you can see? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Pete. Uh, I think it has changed over the years. The old American dream was, you know, where have a house, white picket fence, you know, maybe two kids playground and in, in the backyard, stuff like that. And now I think our generation dude, maybe it's due to social media as one of the benefits is that they can see that there's something else out there. Right. And they can see that there's ways to make money without being a celebrity or, you know, an athlete or something like that. And I think financial freedom is the new goal, right? I think being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want with whoever you want is, is the overall success goal and money rather than high paying job with high interest and high debt. So I, I think that's why you see some people maybe taking more time finding what they like doing because that's the success category in a career. It used to be, what was your salary and can it afford, is it a stable career where there's maybe semi-challenging now uh, success in career is, is it purpose driven? Is it passion driven? do I get excited on Mondays or no? Like you're seeing now, even with this COVID pandemic, there's more jobs uh, open than unemployment. Yeah. People don't want to take it, even though they've raised the prices at things like McDonald's and, you know, delivery drivers and stuff like that. Cause it's just, it's not worth the money. They'd rather, uh, um, they'd rather work in something they like doing. And, and that's, I think a key difference in our generation and the generation after us, the, the Gen Z's are, are doing that very well. I, Cause I think otherwise I look at my parents and some of my parents, friends and stuff working in corporate 30, 40 years. And it's just, it's tough. And you could see them not like their job. You could see them living to Friday afternoons and regretting Sunday nights. And it's just, that's not a way to live. And that, that, that stress carries home. And that's probably why, you know, you're not having as good of a relationship at home because you're just not enjoying life. And I think that in the idea of success is enjoyment and fulfillment. And that that's what happiness is that, that fifth category. You need all the other four. You need a good solid relationships. You need to be financially secure. You need to be healthy, both uh, mind and body, and you need to be working in something you like doing. And that in theory would lead you to be happy and fulfilled, which is, which is what success uh, looks like. It's it's I find it fascinating, you know, that, that you know, as you say, that understanding of success. Because I know even for myself, my father was a forty-year career man, and that was the done thing, right? Now it's mm-hmm. I don't know if you potentially said to millennial, whatever, it's like I need you to go and work for that person for forty years. Uh, I, I suspect they're not going to get too far, mm-hmm. and that's not really going to happen for too long, right? You know, because mm-hmm. it's just a very different world. I think we're we're very much enabled very differently, right? Mm-hmm. And things change so fast now. Like we just talked about social media and technology and all this stuff. That was 10 years ago at the new iPhone. The first iPhone was released. Like now you look at the first iPhone and it's like, this thing can't do anything. It has no apps Has the cameras are garbage. Like every year we've upgraded so fast that the whole world is changing every year. And, and to stay at one job for 40 years, even if it's the same company in different roles, just seems very stagnant. And I I just, I don't know. I was in corporate for six years and I was in five roles and three companies. So I'm definitely the, I guess the, the, what's the word? I'm definitely somebody who was called a jumper and, and the the target for that. But I think it's just something you have to continue to learn and grow and, and things move too slowly. If you're going to stay there for 25 years, that's not a good thing anymore. I mean, that's interesting for yourself, moving different jobs and careers. Do you think that was just the nature of it? Or do you think it was, you know, subconsciously you searching or looking for what's possible, what you could do, what your passion was? What do you think it was, a searching procedure or sort of a a blind fight and see what happens? (laughs) No, I think it was a conscious effort. I had met with a mentor and after my first role and I was like, I know I don't want to do this, but I need to figure out what I want to do. And so we talked about certain things and we broke down the skill sets that he thought I had. And, uh, we, we went through, through the next job. Right. And then each one throughout that I continued to obviously I still stay in contact with him. He's one of the most 
pivotal influential people in my life because of the things that he's done for me uh, just just bouncing ideas off and and having being an older person who's seen stuff so uh, i think it was a conscious effort that i tried to find things and i was a person who dove head in and worked you know 50 60 70 hours a week to to master that role in a short amount of time as fast as possible like i would work more than anybody else in my mind just so that i can learn everything I have to. And then when it came time to, okay, I'm done learning or the learning curve has stopped considerably, considerably. It's kind of, it follows that S curve where, you know, the big, that depending on the amount of time you're there, the middle stretches where you have exponential learning and then it kind of tapers off. Yeah. You'll get better after years and years, but 5% better is not worth staying. So that's when I would leave to find something that's next on the list to continue growth. And, um, and that's just what I did. I was just like, okay, if you can offer that awesome. But if you're in budget cuts or not the right time, or I totally understand. That's fine. I'll find something else. Like I'm not, I'm not worried. So, uh, that's just what I did. It was a continuous process to keep learning and trying new things. So year and a half, and then I was out a year and a half and then, you know, I was out and that's just how I kept doing it. I mean, in the work environment, I suppose either corporate or, or, you know, sort of through the entrepreneurial side, are you generally better are you better under pressure do you you know do you bad work better to time scales what's what's your sort of operating procedure really normally uh definitely feel like i'm better under pressure i think maybe that's a sports background or maybe that's just the fact that you if you have somebody who's higher confidence in themselves they i feel like they tend to be better under pressure because then it's like okay it's all on me or somebody who maybe lacks confidence pressure is the worst thing uh, they'll, it'll break them. And I kind of seen both sides, obviously in the entrepreneurship world, you're building that pressure on, uh, more so than an imposed deadline. So the trick is you just have to set a deadline yourself and, and follow it, um, for things that aren't like client facing, obviously. So I think that's helped. It's obviously not the healthiest thing to be consistently under pressure. So it's a, you have to kind of gauge it and be like, okay, this is something that I know desperately needs to be done. Let me add a timeline. Let me build that pressure for myself where as an entrepreneur, there's thousand different things coming in your mind that everything could be the best thing in the world. So you can't do that uh, or else you'll, you'll burn out and maybe do the wrong thing. Right. So you don't want to be pulled on all different angles. You have to really reassess and, and kind of think about what is the best most accurate thing that's going to put me farthest and then put the pressure on there, set that deadline and, and hopefully live up to that. Right. But you don't want to do that everywhere. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, at the moment, do you, you know, I suppose the work that you do, do, do you tend to set that deadline? I mean, are you a forecaster? Do you visualize, do you put out there, you know, where you want to be in five years and, and, that or do you like to go more free flow and see actually what opportunities come to you i have an overarching goal you know a three and a five-year goal obviously a one-year goal as well but i'm a lot more free flowing than i used to think i was like i used to be very rigid and this is the only way to do it but i guess not you have to be open to things when you're being an entrepreneur and that's what it taught me a lot is to be okay let's see where this goes and be open to it. And then it could be something that's amazing. It could be something that isn't, but any progress is, is progress, right? It's, it's positive and you're, you're moving something forward. Plus you're getting something done, not waiting for the perfect setup. And uh, yeah, so I think I have those overarching goals of where I want to be and more, more personally and professionally. And they kind of obviously mirror because it's, it's myself. It's my business. So it's all, it's all me really. And, uh, th that's kind of how you, you have to do it and then not, not, not stick to it judiciously, but have that goal to kind of anchor you to see where you're going to go and then be open to the different ways it can go. If that makes sense, it could be a roundabout curve. It's definitely not a straight line and you've heard all the cliches, I'm sure. Yeah, well, that's, well, I mean, growth is growth, right? I mean, because, but I do, I mean, I tip my hat to you for actually, you know, taking on the show and, you know, deciding to actually, you know, immerse yourself in the world because it is, it is an immersion, you know, you're sort of seeing what's possible, you know, how you can evolve, what you can do. I, I mean, from that point of view, do you know where you want to go with the show? Are you clearing it, structuring its format again, or are you just, you know, letting it evolve and, and sort of find its own feet? 
No, I definitely have a plan. So the plan, I guess, you could share. I don't mind. Is uh, that's also something we could talk about. Like people feel like they don't share things and they keep it private to not let everybody know what they're doing. But I feel like putting it out in the world is a good thing. So I've started to get better at that. Um, <laughs> the plan for for my show, the Six Millennials Podcast, is for it to grow into a way that can feel like people who are young professionals have a chance to make it. Right? I feel like now, especially with instant gratification and social media. And, uh, the fact that they have to be a celebrity or, you know, an influencer or something like that to make it successful and not really know what success is. Everybody has a different definition. All those things get thrown out. Nobody does anything because there, there's an overload of information and overload of things that are out there. So kind of providing clear tactical steps to the goal is to reach, you know, hundreds of thousands and then millions is the, is the five-year goal. But uh, we'll, we'll get there when we get there type of thing. I think just bringing on extreme guests that, that have that type of influence and that type have of experience just to continue to show people that yes, this is possible and it can be done. Right. And so that, that's kind of where, where we're going. And by doing that, I think we're, we're going to niche down a little bit more and talk I think mostly on the four categories and then have happiness be an overarching theme, because I do believe that happiness is the result of the other four, or it's the end goal. It's the target of, of success, but I don't believe you can achieve it without having success in the other four. And I know there's, you know, the monk who sold his Ferrari and a lot of examples of, of people who can, I just don't think that's the norm. I think people, uh, tend to get enamored by outliers and it's okay to be somebody who's above average, but not a, a 0.3% of the world population, you know, outlier. It's, it's okay. Not everybody's going to be like that, but that doesn't mean that you being in the top 10% is not going to be good. It's still going to be better than 90%. And you're still going to be in a position of you know, gratitude because you know, that there's people better than you that keeps you humble and you know that you're doing better than most. So that also keeps you humble. You're not like, woe is me. And you know, you get trapped in that type of mindset either. So there's always could be better. It always could be worse. And you just move through your life as it is. So I think that that's the goal with, in terms of reach. And then, uh, in terms of the business in general, uh, the, the consulting and, and the courses that I have for each of the categories, I want to hopefully reach more people passively that way, as well as, you know, help dedicated individuals who are really trying to scale their jumpstart is, um, what I mean by that is they don't know where to get started. They listen to the podcast, they have the course and they're just like, I still need somebody to be my accountability partner. I still need somebody to help me guide through that teaching discipline is hard and I'm going to lose track. I need somebody to kind of hold my hand and teach me more. And that's where, that's where those courses are. And that's where I'll come in as well. But that's definitely the goal. Um, I kind of have all those things working and, and the focus is definitely be on those four categories for sure. I mean, is this something you see yourself doing for the foreseeable? I mean, is it, is it just sort of built into you as such, you know, until, you know, otherwise it's. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I don't get bored of the podcast interviews, you know, I feel like outsourcing the, the not fun stuff would, would make it <laughs> even more enjoyable. Right. You know, you know what it is uh, as a fellow podcaster. So get, getting that stuff off your plate and kind of helping other people by having a job and, you know, helping provide some extra income to, to people who need it is a plus that way. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've thought I love traveling. So the podcast is a perfect way to do that. You know, you can travel as so still as work <clears throat> as well as still work. And I might dabble into travel blogging, but I don't think so. I, I don't know yet. I love traveling and I like taking, I, I've started to get better at taking pictures when I travel. And it's a, it's a, it's a stream that's there if you want it, right? A revenue stream, but it's just, I don't know. We'll see. I have yet to debate. I have yet to decide fully on that one. Well, but great. yeah, definitely. I think the podcast is going to be done forever. I mean, it's, it's great to have the choice, right? You know, you can choose whether you want to, you can work harder, you can work less, you can interview somebody or nobody. Right. So it's, it's the choice to do as you please, rather than as we already talked about that sort of 40 year career person, you know, it's um, yeah. Why not make the most of it? Right. You know, where, where's your flow state, Sammy? I mean, where, where do we get the best of you and, you know, what sort of conditions are we looking at? Oof. It's gotta be basketball for me. And I think it's cause at a young age, 
I think you know, we had a hoop outside and, you know, childhood wasn't the greatest plus, you know, there's what you think is the biggest things in the world, uh, as stressors. And when you're a child, which really obviously isn't, but at the time it's extremely important to you and you had a bad day at school or whatever. And I don't know. So I used to go outside and just shoot around for hours and, you know, just, you know, practice moves and stuff like that. And just, just to act if, you know, you're alone dribbling and shooting is, is what now I realized was close state at the time I did. It and I just thought it was, you know, cool. And I would be out there for hours. And now every time I play, I play still like two or three times a week, I try to, um, at least twice, but every time I do that, it's just, I can feel like I can go for hours and stamina doesn't, isn't a thing. And it's just like, I feel, I feel alive, you know? And I think that's truly what flow state is, is you're, you're feeling alive and you don't know when the time is, you just, you just keep going until, you know, somebody pulls you out of there and okay, let's go or it gets dark or whatever. But, uh, that's definitely something that I wish I could figure out that feeling and use it for other things. Um, but, but for now it, it's just, Oh, it's always been basketball. It's great to have that passion that, you know, that you can, you know, you can, you can go across that and it's, it gives you purpose to why you do it. I mean, do you, do you play much basketball? Do you get to, to do much of sport and recreation? Yeah, no, I definitely play once, twice a week. Um, sometimes three, if I'm feeling it and the time opens up, but I definitely try to get out there. I always try to keep active. So I go to the gym, you know, five times a week, but then I try to get uh, some sort of cardio in as well with basketball or hiking or stuff like that. So try to stay active every day, but, um, things are like, the gym is part of my routine. So it's not like I'm going to stop it, but like if, I, if a basketball, I want to, you know what I mean? Like it, it just pushes you to it. It pulls you to it. And, and if I was better, you know, I'd probably be in the league, but I'm not that good. So <laughs> it's more of a fun thing that, you know, you just, you get in that state and it energizes you for the rest of your day to do other things. So I love it. I think everybody should have that. I mean, you talked about getting up early and stuff. I mean, what, what is the daily routine for you? What's non-negotiables now that you've sort of got into it? That's a good question. Um, so I wake up and then I do my reflection probably five times a week. We'll say I just go outside, look up, look at trees and, and think of nothing. Let my mind wander. Uh, I think that grounds you at the beginning of the day. It sounds weird, but it's, it just helps it's better. It's a better routine than waking up and staying at your phone for the first 10 minutes. So I feel like it, it clears your mind and okay, this is what I got to do today and let's do it. Then I get my coffee and I eat, start working on, uh, either an editing episode or, or preparing my next episode. So I do about an hour of that. I prep for the market. Cause I'm also a swing slash day trader slash long-term investor kind of do some market stuff there. So I do that for a couple hours and then normally like either 11, 1130 comes around and it's, uh, either an interview like right now, or I'll go to the gym and then, you know, the reverse, I tend to probably do it like an interview or at least a prep for an interview, something on the clients. I'll do something that 11 to one range, if not, I'll do the gym and then I'll come back and do the other one, one to three. Uh, obviously I have my meals in and then I continue to, to just work back on more stuff and more thinking of how I'm going to scale and, and working on that, whether that build the audience, whether that be the target daily engagement, whether that be, you know, finding watering holes and, and trying to reach people to help them out. Creating content definitely takes a while. I do that in the afternoon when I'm, uh, when I'm kind of hitting a lull, my, my afternoon, uh, after lunch snooze where I need to have coffee, but, um, that's when I'll start to create content and stuff like that and try to get myself re-energized. But I pretty much do the same thing every day. It sounds boring. It definitely not as, uh, glamorous as some people make it seem, but then I do get to travel often. So when I travel, my routine is totally different. It's mostly just the market and then enjoying the city. Uh, I don't, I rarely do much podcast stuff. Obviously I know I'm not going to have my mics on me, but, uh, I take longer vacations or mini, mini siestas every month or so. And for you, cause I mean, you mentioned reading there, you're saying, you know, that's been a, a habit you've picked up and you, know, you talked about sort of reading 30 odd, 36 odd books a year. That's almost a target there. Is reading come naturally for you? Is that your, your mm -hmm. natural style to take on information and to learn? No, it definitely wasn't. 
Um, uh, this is, it's quite an embarrassing story, but it's funny. So I'll say it. Uh, but it, when I was younger and I'm a competitive person, that's what we talk about, like pressure. And I was smiling. Cause that's, just, you know, in a sports competitive competition pressure, that's all something you enjoy. Uh, I moved to a new school when I was in fourth grade and they used to have something called accelerated reading. Not sure if they still do, but essentially it's a reading comprehension test. You read a book and then you take a five, 10 question exam. And if you pass, you get like four points, right? It's something to encourage kids to continue reading and it assesses their comprehension level based on their grade. Right? So fourth grade comes new school. The, at the end of the year, uh, the winner was announced that they won a mountain bike. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. So it further encourages kids to learn. And I'm like, okay, fifth grade's coming around. I'm going to win this mountain bike. And Pete, keep in mind, I don't really know how to ride a bike. So I was like, this is my way. I'm going to learn how to ride it. And, and I'm going to mountain bike, learn to ride a bike. Life's going to be awesome. And I'm going to go to middle school next year. So, uh, I'm reading like crazy and every book is like four five, six points. I don't know, but I'm just keep reading everything. Like I was forcing myself to read and you know, there's people who are trying to, trying to win it as well. Cause it was their last year in, in fifth grade and stuff like that. They're, they have the comprehension to read any book pretty much. It's just now, can they do it? And, uh, so I finished the year with like six, 700, uh, points. I had read, I don't know, maybe a thousand books. It felt like, cause you're not going to pass every test. And then you started learning how to skim read and everything like that. Midway through the year, we had a new librarian who mentioned that there's not going to be the mountain bike. There's going to be something even better. So I'm like, okay, at this point it's a competition and I'm still going to, I'm still going to try to win. So I was, like I said, I finished with like six, 700 points or something. And they have those morning announcements every day in elementary school. And the librarian comes in and she's recording us and she's like, okay, you're first place, whatever. Here's your gift. <laughs> and she hands me a hundred dollar Barnes and Nobles gift card, which was like the worst thing ever at that point to me. Cause I was like, I just read, I don't know, hundreds of books. Don't give me more books to read. Like I wanted a mountain bike. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm boycotting books. I'm never going to read again. This is stupid. I wasted my life. Uh, sixth grade comes around. I get glasses because of all the books I was reading. So I was even more upset. And, uh, it, it was rough. So I boycotted books for about 10 years <laughs> throughout high school. Never read any of those book club things or, or language arts classes, always cliff notes or college, you know, I still never read books. And then that mentor that I was referencing earlier, he gave me a book, uh, first things first, which is one of my favorite books ever. And I finally read it. It took me like months because I kept fighting myself, but Eventually I read it and I was like, okay, I learned a lot in this book. Maybe there's, maybe there's some benefit into books. So I started slowly reading and, uh, now it's just been like some, some, some books, I uh, some months I read three books, some months I only read one or two, but I always try to read something because not only can it be inspiring, but you most likely learn at least one thing. Like I have yet to read a book where I learn nothing from. So uh, similar to, you know, having a podcast guest on, you're going to learn some, but something from somebody, I, I truly believe that. And, and whether that comes in the form of books, conversations or whatever, you just got to keep that door open. So, uh, yeah, it was not natural. It was not enjoyable in the beginning, but it's now it's just a part of my everyday. Like I end the night reading, you know, just 30 minutes, like maybe a chapter, two chapters a day. Like it's not a lot, but it adds up and, you know, it allows you to read two, three books a month. So it's, yeah, it was definitely not, it was one of those things, just like being an entrepreneur. It wasn't something that I ever thought I would do. It was something that I probably avoided. And then eventually here we are. <laughs> it's amazing. Just deciding to immerse yourself in the world of books, learning how to, you know, skim read, as you say, you know, just pushing on and pushing on, which is great. I mean, kind of, there's an irony there, isn't it? You know, almost like a reading competition that then sort of caused you to not want to read. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I'm sure that's pretty sure mm -hmm. that's anti, anti yeah, it's, uh, it did not work. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is crazy, right? Because it's all proportionate, too. Because isn't it, you know, we, we try and excuse me, we try and immerse ourselves in so many ways, but if we can't take it in or it's not bringing us joy, then ultimately we will stop doing it, you know, or find a different way of doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's agreed. Are you, are you good at 
Are you good at knowing what you're good at and, and what you're not good at? Are you, is that something you're quite switched on to? I'm way better at knowing what I'm not good at. I think maybe a lot of people are like that. I don't know, but everybody, you know how they say they're their number one self-critic. I truly believe that. Like, uh, I don't, and that's, I don't know why it's people are like that. I don't know why the human mind tries to keep you down, but there's a lot of studies that say, you know, it's keeping your comfort zone is to keep you safe. It's to keep you knowing what you know and, and not anything, uh, out of the order so you don't get hurt. But I, I, I don't know why that we focus too much on the things that you're bad at. And if you're going to do that, like I do, then just work on getting better and forgetting it. Like some people say, focus on your strengths. And I do think you should do that to an extent, but focusing on your weakness elevates you faster. It's probably not going to get you to the top top, but it'll get you faster to be more well-rounded. And then you can dive into a strength because if it's nagging at you as a weakness, like for me, it was creativity and to the content that you have to produce in, in social media and even in the podcast to be engaging and creative. And that's something that I feel like I need to still work on. And I continue to try to work on the building through stories or, or metaphors or whatever it may be to try to engage but being a creative storyteller that's natural was, was never my thing. I was mm. numbers was my strength. Numbers, math, anything like that. Analytics like that. I can do that all day without, without really trying because it's my natural skill set. But drawing, I can't do. Like, I, I know there's a whole list of things I really can't do. Um, but, but focusing on the things that matter and those weaknesses and then just really working on improving them to me has, has helped. See for, I mean, in terms of, you know, books and stuff, I mean, can you see yourself ultimately writing a book? Can you see yourself going author, going creator side? Eventually I want to. Maybe like if we're talking on our plans, like maybe 10 year plan. Um, I do think it'll be cool. I think you learn a lot through writing a book. And it's similar to podcasts. Like I listened to it for a while and then wanted to do my own. I've read books for a while and maybe I want to do my own, but right now I know how much undertaking that is. Uh, I've, I've had a few friends who, who wrote a book and, and, um, that they tell me how much work that is. And, and it's a consistent hour, two hours you have to write every day. And, and then the editing process and stuff like that. It's not something I want to over, uh, undertake right now. Mm. but I do think that it, it will be fun. Like the e-courses are my kind of stepping stone in like I've written, like they're small PDFs of less than hundred pages. You know, they're more slide deck material with extra files and, and supporting files with it. That's that gives you like a foot in the water type of thing, but it's not, it's not near as much as writing a comprehensive book on something. But one helps the other, right? I mean, you, you learn, you learn these techniques. You then, as you say, bring it into an ebook which can then be monetized or can you be used as a, you know, lead magnets, which then creates an audience, which then creates leads, which then potentially creates income, which, and so it perpetuates, you know, you've been able to sort of take this choice by 30, you know, to, to be able to go through, to, to work for yourself and do that. But you have this opportunity to, to, to run up this self-perpetuating perpetuating wheel based on, your passion is what you love to do and, and just by getting out of your own way. So it, it sounds like that is almost success in itself because you have choices, right? Yeah. When you word it that way, that's, that's really well put. I think we, we don't pause to, to think of where we came from often, at least I don't. And uh, it, it pays to look back and be like, okay, a year ago, I would have never thought I would share my story on a podcast or, or have my own. Right. And now look at us, right. <laughs> it's, it's so many things have changed because you just get out of your own way and you're just like, eh, I think this is going to help people. And that's the goal. So that's what we're going to do. And whatever feeling you have it's less important. And that sounds counterintuitive because you want to please yourself, obviously, but it will by helping others and, and by getting your message across. If it's obviously a message that hopefully helps, if it doesn't, then, then maybe you need to rework on, on what you think you can provide value on. But mm. No, it's, 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 it's powerful. I think just to understand yourself in that way is, is super powerful, you know? So 
So you're you release weekly episodes with the podcast, right? Yep, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday we have an episode come out and go from there. How have you changed from doing it? What's 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 different about you? I'm more open. So I used to be very reserved and introverted and not really want to share anything. Um, but now I'm comfortable behind the mic on a recorded line. We're just talking about things where I would be so overproductive, I think beforehand. And now it's just, you're, you're able to be more open and you're able to meet a lot of people who have sometimes very similar stories. Cause again, like I'm talking to people who are my age range ish and, uh, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. You went through that too. Like, I thought that was just me, you know? And, and that really helps you, you understand that you're not alone in the world. And, and that gives you some sort of comfort, but, but definitely the ability to be, I guess, more extroverted and, and talking just normally without being so over analyzing, Oh, did I let on too much? Did I, share my deepest, darkest secret when it's really just like, what did I do yesterday? <laughs> and that's just what introverts sometimes go through. They, they feel like they, they don't want to share anything. At least that's what I did. Uh, as an introvert, was it because of not necessarily knowing exactly what you wanted to do? Cause I mean, that's changed, right? Cause you're, you're talking here quite freely, quite openly, you know, when you find what you want to do, then suddenly you get over yourself in, in the nicest possible way. Right. You, yeah. you suddenly, sharing a story because it gets you a little bit step closer or does, you know, it helps. You don't mind that. Right. So you just, you're willing to take the pain of the anxiety, the insecurities, you know, the introvertedness because the reward of getting closer to your passion, your thing, your purpose, whatever is, is, is greater. Is that, does that make sense to you? Does that resonate? Yeah. That, Oh no, hundred percent agreed. That that is exactly what it is. That that passion, that fire is in the belly, as as you call it, is perfect. It, it carries you to do things you never thought you'd do, hmm. ever. Like you would, you would either say, "No, this isn't me. I'm not that type of person. Uh, it doesn't fit what I believe in." All, but is it really what you believed in? Is it really who you are? Is what people told you that touch you believe in? Is that's what people told you? That's what you are at a young age. And you carry the same sort of personality when you were 15, as you are when you're 25, 35, 45, like people change and that's you change as well. That's a good thing. And I think that passion just forces you to do things you normally would not have done. And, and that's been the funnest thing or the most fun thing. I think as well, because I get to expand comfort zones. Like, uh, I want to try things and I was always scared to do it. And now trying to podcast and trying all this stuff has led me to try other things in my personal life. Like now when I go out to eat, I narrow it down to like two or three things. And then I just ask the waitress hey, or waiter, what's the best thing out of these three. And I just try whatever they recommend. And you know, you, you let other people make those decisions and you get to try what mostly is a better meal because they know better than you about their restaurant. Right. It allowed me to do skydiving last weekend, which is something I would have never done. Like I never even thought of, but you chase your passion in one area and all of a sudden it opens the door of possibility in other areas of your life that you also didn't expect. So I, I think if somebody can find that passion, they just have to start it regardless of its monetary success, regardless of its, uh, struggles that'll happen, the ability to make your decision and follow something you like doing and then something you love doing opens the door in every area of your life for sure. That's very true. What's a bit of a guilty pleasure for you, Sammy? What do you, what do you enjoy doing in your downtime? I don't really play video games like that anymore. Um, I guess guilty pleasure would, would just be hanging out with the friends and playing cards. Uh, we don't do it as much as we used to, but there's a, there's an Arabic game, uh, where I'm from that, that four person game. And we could do that all night. Like it's just, whenever we had that four group of people, uh, it has to be a certain four. It's one of my closest four friends. Um, we just we play that like five, six hours and the time flies. And leisure and pleasure for you, just taking that downtime, you know, just recharging and really sort of even trying to get your head cleared. What, what does that involve? One more time, you kind of cut off. So in terms of, you know, leisure and pleasure, um, 
you know, and how you recharge, how you take time out to either, you know, get creative, get new ideas, new thoughts. What, what does that look like for you? Uh, traveling is the best. Um, it's the best. Like, even if it's a quick weekend trip, like I did to Asheville uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, that's awesome. But the bigger trips are always more fun. The plane has downtime where you can just reflect and you're kind of forced to, because there's no internet or anything like that. So you're either reading or you're thinking. And so, um, uh, traveling is awesome. And it definitely, you're getting out of your house, you're getting out of your city. So you reset, you know, you're, you're a different person when you're not home. I think, you know, you're forced to get out there more and it definitely helps you kind of see from a different perspective. Okay. When I get back home, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, E, you know, and then you just start building that list. So, uh, for me, for me, it's traveling, even if it's a quick getaway and I try to do that every month. Um, let's try to get out there and, and, and see something, whether it be a big trip, whether it be a small trip. And those morning meditations help as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just self-care. And as you say, I mean, it's, there's a lot there, you know, that metrics for success, as you talked about, you know, the mental side, the physical side, the relationship, the happiness, you know, tying that all together and getting in balance as much as you can is always going to help, you know, help you feel good inside and out really. It's making all that difference. That's really cool. And tell me if you were to try and describe your fire in the belly in one or two words, Sammy, what would they be? My, what would I have to describe? Your, if you were trying to describe your fire in the belly in one or two words, what would they be? Oh, my fire in the belly. One or two words, fire in the belly. Um, only one or two words, huh? No pressure. <laughs> Continuous progress. Mm. I know they say, oh, that's only two words, sorry. I was going to describe it. No, go ahead. Please describe it. <laughs> thank you um so i i think it i know it's frowned upon to per, chase perfection but i want to and i know you have to pull yourself back at times and i do but that chase for continuous progress to, to continuously improve is probably a better way to say that to chase that perfection is is something that i i love doing like checking off something off the to-do list is exciting for me it doesn't tire me out Mm -hmm. It's something that I could, I accomplish something. I, I like doing that. I get the energy rush. I get that. I get more motivated doing more than I would having a day where I do nothing, if that makes sense. So, so continuous progress, continuous improvement, whichever way you want to word it, uh, just doing, getting active and doing something is, is it energizes me in a way that is counterintuitive. That's great. So tell me, where can people find out more about you, Sammy? Where can they track you down, hunt you, then stalk you, any of the above? Uh, the, the best way is probably, you know, the podcast, Successful Millennials Podcast. It's on all the platforms and that you're listening to this show on. Um, email, if you want, uh, to reach out and get a little bit more information on, you know, either to be any of the courses or, you know, to talk about discipline or how to talk about just email me at financezilla at gmail.com. And then social media, I'm only really active on Instagram. Uh, I don't really have, I mean, I have some of the other ones, but I'm not active at all. It'd be financezilla as well on Instagram. So those are the three spots. Love it. What is our final message you'd like to leave with our guests today? Yeah, I think the first thing is just, just do one thing every, every day to try something new. And it sounds like it's very cliche again. It sounds like it's nothing, but just doing one thing and trying it and then trying another thing and trying another thing, you'll build that creativity and you'll build that. Maybe you have an interest and you can develop it into a like, and then a passion and then a fire, right? Or maybe you have an unknown thing at all that you don't even know about and you try it out and then you discover that you like it and it's an interest. It becomes hobby and passion and fire, right? So like, you just have to keep trying something and, be consistent with it. And that's how you build discipline is consistently trying every single day. And eventually you'll find something that you really like doing. And then maybe it's something that you love doing. And that's obviously a step above. And that's how you get that fire. And, and you're well aware of it as well, how much that's done for you in your personal life, because it affects everything. Absolutely. No, it's so, so true. It's all about. 
Sammy, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you sharing and, and giving a bit of your background. And listen, I'm sure that you know, the podcast is out there. So just remind people it's Successful Millennials. And then financezilla.net is your uh, main website, I believe. So people can reach out there as well and uh, learn more about you. Thank you very much, Sammy. Appreciate you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you. 